Breaker Breaker 1 2 uh, Foxtrot Charlie. This is uh, this is the Maverick doing Maverick things. Welcome to the Movies in the Brain podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brian Seawood. And with me tonight is my flyboy partner. I don't know if they do Breaker Breaker, but I'm Chad Mitz. Welcome to the to a very special uh, Smoking the Bandit Meets Top Gun Infused uh, opening for the Movies on the Brain podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brian Seward. That is Jed Mess, and we are entering into the craziness that is July. That means Comic-Con, which means a whole bunch of things that we have to talk about. But before we get into all of the exciting uh, news in the this weird, wild, and wacky week in genre movie news, uh, I wanted to start off with the notion that an Elvis biopic in the year of our Lord, 2022, is sitting atop the box office in a tie with the billion-dollar Tom Cruise movie about airplanes. Your thoughts on the fact that Tom Cruise and Top Gun are now the highest-grossing movie of the year. I did not see this coming at all. Not even close. It's, um, it is wild to think about, because you know, I thought this was... When this happened, I thought this was a... Not a money grab, but like Tom Cruise trying to 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 relive. I don't want to say. I guess it's his glory days, even though with the Mission Impossible franchise, he he's still like the only movie star, so he still kind of has glory days. But I thought this was like he wanted to go back and grab some hits, uh, and I just didn't think you know I didn't think there was an audience for it, especially not like this to make a billion dollars. It's it's over. 500 million domestic, uh, which is just bananas. I, I just, I never, never saw this coming for Tom Gun. But it's, it's an experience. It's a movie experience that you got to see on the big screen. And we don't have experience it's like that anymore. We got, you know, we have big budget blockbuster spectacle kind of stuff. But this is like, a different kind of spectacle. And it really, I mean, we'll see when it comes up, like a home release, but it really feels like most people understand that the best way to see it is on the biggest screen possible. So they keep going back. It, I think Paramount themselves said that what's driving business is the repeat viewing. It's not a bunch of new viewing. It's everybody just keeps going back uh, because I think they know they have a finite period of time watching this on the biggest screen possible. So they're all there. And it's just wild that this movie's been out five weekends, five weeks. Uh, it fell out of the top spot two weeks, and I was back. It's it's tied. We'll see if it ends up there when the actuals come out tomorrow on Monday. But it's tied with the Elvis movie, which that is just incredible for, for Maverick. As for Elvis, um, with the subject matter and the director, you're always. It, it seems like they will, it's destined to have interest. I have not seen the movie. Uh, from what I've gathered, if you are a fan of Elvis, you'll like this. So I'm not surprised that it's high for number one, and it seems to be performing towards whatever expectations it had. So kudos to that. Uh, I'm sure we're. I don't. Th- I'm not going to see Elvis in theaters. Probably not. But 
I'm sure we'll get into it and we can make fun of things later, uh, specifically about things that, <laughs> um, you know, origins of Elvis and, and the like, stuff like that. But all praise Top Gun Maverick. I thought this was a terrible idea and shows how much I know. Well, the funny thing about this is that uh, they had to pitch Tom on it. Um, Tom was not on board after Tony Scott had passed away. Um, there was a version of the movie that Tony Scott wanted to make, and then when he when he passed away so unexpectedly, Tom kind of lost interest in the project. And uh, there is a our friends at Empire did a very detailed and in depth uh, spoiler filled conversation with. Uh, the director about um, about what was going on, and you know he he tells the story of how Tom was filming uh, one of the Mission Impossible movies, and uh, they flew him to London. Jerry Bruckheimer flew him to London, and they had to pitch Tom, and uh, you know they pitched basic the basic structure of the film with uh, with the Maverick and Rooster story at the forefront, and. That after hearing the pitch, Tom got on his cell phone, called the head of Paramount, and said, we're making this movie. And the head of Paramount was like, okay. And it was, the director describes the surreal experience of Tom Cruise being able to make a phone call to the head of a movie studio and get a movie made in the 21st century. That just is is not a thing that normally happens. But it happened here. and. You know, credit to all involved. They didn't just want to do a legacy movie. Um, they did a really fantastic job at creating something that is special, special and unique. And also, to be quite honest, something that has to be seen in a theater. Uh, me and you are both old enough to remember Mr. Uh, Nolan yelling from his mountaintop about how Tenet needed to be experienced in theaters. And no one going to see the the tenant in the theaters, um, even though it was the only thing, legitimately the only thing showing in a theater. Um, and we we've seen the fallout from Warner Brothers on on their experience with that. So to see this, Tom Cruise being just as adamant. I know you remember that uh, that COVID uh, rant that that leaked. Um, here he's one of the most powerful men in Hollywood. And he decided this was something he wanted to do, and it pays. It has paid off for him. Yeah, I do remember that uh, that COVID rant, and I, I did read that same article. And you know, again, going into the movie, I I really thought this was a this was all Tom's idea. This was all what Tom wanted. But yeah, having hearing that he didn't want to do it, they had to pitch him on it, and then once he heard it, he turned around so quickly. Um. That shows you. I mean, I heard, I read this after the, I saw the movie. So I already knew how good the movie was, but it shows you. It kind of shows you the care that Tom Cruise has for, at least for this particular project and where he's at in his career. And then it also shows you the power he has because he got on the phone with Paramount. Was like, we're making this movie. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And they're like, all right, cool. Um, so again, Tom Cruise, he is like your he's like the last great movie star. Um, say what you will about him and plenty of people have plenty of things to say about not so positive about him. But, him and uh him and Hanks. Uh 
it's Hanks in the same. Like I don't think of them in the same way. Like I, I, I putting Tom Cruise headlining movie. I think it does drive people to see it. Now, granted, movies that you're putting him in are like Mission. At this point, is Mission Impossible and stuff like Top Gun. Tom Hanks. Uh, you can get a bunch of different things like getting him in Pinocchio later. Granted, that's not going to theaters, but he did the uh, I call it the USS Kid movie that he did in Baton Rouge. Uh, that's smaller. I think it might have gone to a few theaters, but I think it's on Apple Plus. Like, I don't think he. Yeah, Greyhound was an Apple Plus project. So I don't think he's like. I don't think of him in the same vein. He might, he's he's a legit movie star, but I don't think he's like. A driving people to the movies the same way as Tom Cruise movies are. In other box office news, Lightyear continues to stink up the joint for most people. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, that's not good. It's uh, I never knew people could kick a toy while he was down. I, I need to see this. See if it. See, I don't think it's. I I don't think it's bad from what I've heard. It doesn't sound like it's bad. It sounds like at worst, it's just like there. But it's a legitimate question to ask is with Disney Plus uh, putting all those Pixar movies straight to streaming, did that have a bigger effect on this outcome than we originally would have thought? And even even besides that, um, like they didn't put a Kanto straight on Disney Plus, but it was on there soon after. And Encanto really picked up all its steam after being on streaming. So has Disney taught its audience that with animation, streaming is where you're going and we can wait it out instead of putting our money into the theater. We can just wait it out and get it on Disney Plus. Uh, I think that's a legitimate question to ask. And Disney has to answer it soon. I know that they've said that, you know, streaming is where they're going in the future. But um, is it going to be at the cost of of theatrical? Yeah, if you train audiences that that's where they need to go for their films, I mean that's where they that's where they're gonna they're gonna go and they're gonna look for it. Um, we we knew from the time that Big Red uh, that that uh, Turning Red was sent there and Luca was sent there that you know that that was kind of the way that they were going and the fact that Encanto. Um, got the release that it got, kind of ticked some people off because that it, it seemed kind of just to be a Pixar thing, not even a Disney animation thing. Um, I just think it's weird. I think there's some pushback on the Chris Evans of it. I think there's a confusion about why the movie has to exist. Um, I think that uh, the quality of the film and and where it takes place in the timeline is is kind of nuts. So. Um, I feel bad for people missing Socks the Cat. Socks the Cat is adorable, people. Go see Socks the Cat. He will uh, make you laugh. He will make you cry. He will make you feel things. So even if you're not going for uh, the the Taika Waititi of it all, go for that. Go for uh, go for Socks the Cat. I'll, I also would, would uh, bring up, and uh, we can mention this as well, the uh, the same-sex relationship and kiss that occurs in this film and whether or not that next step in diversity is what caused certain elements of this particular uh, uh, backlash or 
or rejection of this particular film. Um, I don't think it would. I don't think it should. But there are going to be elements of people who are just going to like, nope, I'm not going to see this because of this element of the film. And I think that's stupid and wrong. But, you know, there's not another family four-quadrant family movie out there last weekend and this weekend. That'll change next weekend when Minions hits the scene. But, like, you've had nothing to really grab that four-quadrant audience, and you failed two weeks in a row. So it's interesting to me that they that they're doing that at this point. As far as Elvis goes, um, thirty million to thirty-five million for a biopic uh, at this particular moment in time during the heat of the summer. Uh, given the director who hasn't done a movie since twenty thirteen, given Tom Hanks, um, I really do think that it's a a surprise that the film has been doing this well and has been as positive recently received. I will also be interested to see what kind of legs it has, if it gains momentum, if it just kind of sticks around the way that something like Lost City did um, when it was there um, in, in theaters earlier in the spring. Um, I'm just really interested to see where we go with that, because, like, the other part of it, too, is Academy Award predictions. Like, you know, Everything Everywhere all at once, and Elvis, and some of these other movies that have come out in this first half of the year that have some Oscar buzz or worthiness to them. Got to kind of wonder whether or not they can sustain that momentum as we get closer and closer to the to the uh, closer and closer to the uh, festival season, beginning in late August, early September. So, do we believe that the same-sex kiss and the same-sex couple representation in uh, Lightyear is part of what is fueling the disappointing box office? <sighs> Do I think it's the entire reason it struggled? No. Do I think it has something to do with it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, we're in very polarized times. Um, Disney, for everything you want to think about Disney, has been in a quote-unquote culture war um, going back what the beginning of this year with the whole uh, don't say gay bill out of Florida. And then Florida asserting whatever power it has to do whatever uh, machinations they did that's going to cost their taxpayers more money. But, you know, once once that happened, like, lines were strictly drawn where people on one side had very specific thoughts about Disney, and then you add in this kiss, and then if you heard what Chris Evans had to say about it, he basically called those people idiots. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's the kind of thing, you know, you toss red meat out there to them, and they, they had, if they were going to go see it, they didn't. They're talking about it, they're probably bashing it. Yeah, it had an effect, but I don't think it had this kind of effect. I think there's other, I think it, it's a contributing factor, but I don't even think it's the biggest one. But I think it did have something to do with it. And it's just weird because there's no other four-quadrant movie out there in this uh, in this block. Is it? No, there's not yet, but... Um, not, in this, not in these two weeks. Minions comes out next week, and that'll change things. But, like, you clearly had the market cornered on families for two weeks, and you've, by your own internal metrics, not met expectations. Yeah, and with Minions on the horizon, it's going to be really, really interesting if people want to compare how that's going to take... how that's going to go compared to what this is. 
Now, Minions might come out, and it might, it might come out with, with softer numbers. And then it'll be a question of, okay, so maybe it's just animation for whatever reason? But Yeah, see, I don't think you can go down that road considering that uh, the, uh, the, uh, the bad guys yeah. has uh, held up and is actually still in the top ten as of this weekend. Yeah, and uh, from what I'm rem- remembering off the top of my head, the, the movies that were released, like, in the thick of pandemic times, like, the animated family films did okay. But, I don't know. I To me, I really think it's the whole thing of they, they spent a whole two years telling their audience, we're going to put all our animated stuff on Disney+. Plus. That's where you're going to come to see it. And even with, um, even with like Encanto, it was released in theaters, but came to Disney Plus. I, I don't even know if it did the forty-five day window. I think it was almost simultaneously. I can't. It was less because Encanto came out at Thanksgiving. Encanto came out at Thanksgiving and it was on Disney Plus Christmas Day. That's right. That's right. So that was even a special thing. So in the two years, it was like well, we're gonna put everything animated. On Disney Plus, and when we don't, we're gonna. It's going to be on Disney Plus within a month, and some people. This isn't gonna be a month, but it'll be within six weeks. And if it's gonna follow the Doctor Strange model, and people aren't gonna realize that it was actually six weeks. And even if they do, they'll be like, "Oh, I can wait six weeks instead of calling my entire family out to the theater." The ticket prices, um, if you're lucky. Ten dollars a pop for a whole family, and since this is four quadrants, you're taking, and you have kids, you're taking that. That's you're looking at at least if you're getting concessions, at least sixty bucks. Whereas I've got Disney Plus at home already. Throw some popcorn in the microwave, we're good. That's what I think. The 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 the, the numbers for Lightyear are really struggling is because of that fact. Now. What does Disney do after this? Do they just be like, you know, screw it, all animated going on Disney Plus, or do they try to retrain uh, people on what the release schedule is? And I don't know how you're going to do that with the 45 days. I really think 45 days is too it's too short for that. Once you've given people a taste of, oh, I can wait, I can wait them out. I don't think they're going to turn around for 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 this stuff because that's what they've been taught to do. And what do you uh, what do you make of Elvis's uh, you know thirty million thirty thirty to thirty five million for a uh, a biopic um, in the heat of the summer with Oscar hopes? Uh, what do you do you think it can sustain uh, a four year consideration campaign? Uh, you know, considering we're still you know six months from the start of Oscar voting. So okay, so let me ask you this. Since you've seen, you have seen it, right? I have not. Okay. I saw, uh, I saw Black Phone on Thursday. Okay. Well, just off the top of your head, which I was very disappointed, which I was very disappointed in because I feel like I saw that entire movie in the trailer. But that's just me. I did see that trailer for like two and a half years. So. And I didn't realize it was that long, but okay. But but as far as Elvis, what would you say, just from everything we've heard, they would be up for come award season? Well, I think that you're looking at costume design, production design, 
Best Supporting Actor in Tom Hanks, Best Actor in Austin Butler, and Best Director Basler. Like an across the board for your consideration campaign. Okay. So hair and make makeup and hairstyling as well. Okay. So I from everything we've heard, I would agree with those as of right now. So once award season comes around, I think it's still a lock for all those technical awards. The Academy loves that kind of stuff. Director, it's gonna you know it's gonna depend on what else comes out between now and then. But Bias has a certain cachet, so he might be able to ride it out. The thing with the best actor and supporting actor, um, I so from what I've heard, this guy is. He gives a better performance than what Remy Malik gave for uh, for Freddie Mercury. So I think he should be up. I think he can he can sustain coming out in June and riding it all the way there. I don't know about Tom Hanks supporting, but I haven't seen it. But again, I because it's so far out, I don't know if that can stay. But doing Elvis, I think that that can carry him. Now my question is. From the one or two reviews I've heard, it seems like the story is about Elvis, but it seems like it's also more about um, the colonel and his manipulation of Elvis through all the years. So since it's up to the studio that does the awards, would they, if they think they got a chance of getting an award, do you think they flip them? And make Tom the the lead and Butler um, supporting. And I'm just asking this. I have not seen it, so I don't know if you can well, do I mean, it or not. But well, I mean, structurally, right? Uh, you don't have to do a lot <laughs> to qualify for best supporting. Um, and you can always look at the race and see how thick it is in terms of you know how tight and how many nominations may be able to be up for grabs, that kind of a thing. The movie, the movie is told from the Colonel's POV. Um, it is, even in the original trailers, it talks about the idea that, like, you know, I'm supposed to be the villain of this story, you know, because a lot of people have, over the decades, criticized the enabling of the Colonel, uh, enabling his, his bad behavior. So, um, you know, it's entirely possible, and Hanks has the cachet and the name recognition, more so than Butler, but the other, the thing that concerns me about Butler's performance is I feel like I feel like Ty Egerton did an amazing job as El, Sir Elton John in Rocket Man, which came out in a May, and didn't get him nominated. So, and that was a performance that was talked about in the same breath in the same way this uh, this performance here is being talked about. So I, I just. While we do have the Rudy Malik thing, we people forget that um, Bohemian Rhapsody came out in November, and this is coming out in in June, and and Rocket Band came out in May. That's a lot longer to sustain a publicity campaign for. It, it's kind of like it's kind of like the guy that goes out there early on Sunday morning and surges to and and gets into the lead at a golf tournament, and then he's done for the day and there are 50 other guys behind him still to play, you know, uh, it's a similar type thing. There are going to be better other performances and other films that come down the line to challenge him. But I think what, so 
uh, Rocket Man was something that that crossed my mind, and from what I've heard, um, Austin Butler does a better job than Edgerton, Edgerton did. Not Edgerton. Uh, um, dang it, Ty did in um, in Rocket Man, but you know he Rocket Man he also did a better job than Robin Malik, so he was left out. What you're saying is it like contributes to that that one was May, one was November. But I so I think because he got uh he got left out for Rocket Man, I think that kind of works in the favor of Austin Butler because I think people saw that and recognized that that was kind of a snub and they're not gonna they're not gonna do it for this guy. I think they're gonna actually like realize that we messed up that time, we're not gonna mess up this time. But I mean, will he win it? I don't know. But Elvis is a big enough star, has a big enough cachet. Uh, a, a certain mystique, and there, well, there's a lot of stories about him. Uh, this is like, as far as I know, this is like the biggest production sort of biopic of Elvis. So I think all of that's going to work in his favor, but I think it works the most for him. And I don't know how much is going to work for director and uh, supporting, but I think he, I think he's got the best chance of. Those categories and I th- those technical categories, I think they're just a shoe in to be nominated. All right, we will see. All right, so we got a we got news this week confirmation because apparently one uh, one Kevin Feige has been on the press tour for Thor: Love and Thunder. Uh, your thoughts, sir, on the first social media reactions to Taika Waititi's sequel to Thor: Ragnarok? Thor, Love and Thunder. So I haven't seen a whole bunch. I didn't. I didn't really look these out yet. But from the the few that I saw, it's kind of what I expected. Uh, those people seem to like it. If you like Ragnarok, you should like Thor, Love and Thunder. It seems to this is going to be even more Taika, a more Taika take on Thor, which uh, I thought Ragnarok was perfect Taika, but. I'm not surprised at all by those reactions. We'll see what uh, actual reviews say, you know, closer to the time thereof. But I think Marvel's going to have another hit on their hands. People, it's going to be another Thor movie that they like. Uh, we'll see how much Christian Bale we get. It seems like the people that saw it really liked his performance. But, you know, that's always the thing with, with Marvel movies. How much of the villain you're going to get and all that kind of stuff. But, you know. I think this is par for the course and completely expected for Thor. Well, I mean, it's just interesting that Taika takes over the Thor franchise and it becomes popular. (laughs) Um, And Taika knows how to make these movies swiftly. He knows how to make them on budget. And he knows how to get the most out of Chris Hemsworth, which is great. And I really love the word of mouth that's coming out because it's positive. Although at this point in time, Chad, um, Marvel, I believe, could just film a baboon flinging his own poop against the wall for an hour and a half, and people would praise it as the most glorious work of art ever created coming out of the premiere. So um, we'll see. But I think that the, the tykiness of it, and with that particular character, uh, and with the, the Jane Foster aspect of it, um, I think we're really looking at something that's going to be awesome. I would agree. I think, you know, as time has gone on, I see more people like 
stated, you know, Ragnarok was not to their taste. And I can see where certain people, if it's not to your taste, I can understand why. And I can understand that you're kind of trepidatious about Love and Thunder. And you probably won't like it if you didn't like Ragnarok. But, you know, you can't please everybody. I think generally people are going to really like it. Uh, Ragnarok made a lot of Thor fans, made a lot of new Thor fans that have been watching Thor for all those other movies. So I think Love and Thunder is going to keep that up. How much Guardians do you think we get? Um, Not much. Probably 10 to 15 minutes. I think they're only in the... I want to say I think they're only in the beginning. Uh, but there was a clip that was released and, and you know, it could go either... The way you're reading that clip, it could go either way. Uh, that they might actually show back up at the end. But I doubt it. I think I think it's the beginning. I think you get, you know, you get your... Uh, it looks like we get um, do Thor to start the movie, and then he does his training. Uh, after the training, I think, is when we get uh, Ravager Thor. And then after that, I think the Guardians go their own way. And then Thor goes off to deal with the God Butcher and whatnot. You promised me a nice, relaxing vacation. Did I, though? No, and then, it, then Thor's like... Well, I didn't say it was going to be a nice oh, relaxing yeah, yeah. vacation. I said it was going to be like a, <laughs> like a nice relaxing vacation. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think that is quite early in the movie. That uh, that would be after all the montage stuff, but because it's go the training is going to be a montage. It has to be a montage. Things I'm most interested in about that movie are what, their explanation for Jane Foster. The fact that it looks like Kat Dennings is back in the movie, which interests me because we haven't seen her since WandaVision. Um, I'm also interested to see how they handled Jane Foster, where she got her powers, how that all came about. And also um, why we go to a colorless black and white world uh, when we're dealing with the God Butcher, because that's that's the only footage we've seen has, for the most part, been in a uh, Sin City-esque black and white uh world, which is very interesting considering Tyka's use of the color palette in both of his Thor movies. So it's uh it's gonna be fun. I mean all this due to the IKEA movie just not going getting off the ground. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Uh this did cost him Akira, which you know I would take this over Akira, but that's just me. Well remember it fell apart. It wasn't that like he chose to do Thor over IKEA. IKEA fell apart. And like the the trades reported the falling apart the week of Comic Con, and from everything we've heard, <laughs> from everything we heard, Taika signed had not signed a contract yet when he went out on that stage at All Age four years, three and a half years ago, and was like, "Natalie Portman, here's a hammer." That is incredible to think about. Incredible. So, Chad, indeed, that fine July day. In San Diego, where all the sexy Ewoks and other beautiful cosplayers were dancing and drinking and making much merriment. That day in 2019 was yay so long ago. And now it has given way to all of the things that were presented that day. And now ye old god Kevin Feige has saith from on high that it is time to re-impart information to people at Com- at Hall H at Comic-Con 2022. What say you, 
about the Marvel Studios panel to take place July the 23rd, 2022, at 5 p.m. Pacific time. So I was, it was a little weird for me because I saw that it was three years and I was like, wow, it's really been three years now. Granted, I know we have the pandemic and stuff, but I forgot that they didn't go to Comic Con. Um, what in nineteen? Yeah. No, they went. They went to Comic Con in nineteen. There was not a convention in twenty, and there was the at home uh, Comic Con in twenty one and twenty two. There may have been a. I think there was an in person one in November. I want to say at some point, but it was smaller and not a lot of studios went. So yeah, it. it this is the first full Comic Con back in. You know, because there was a Comic-Con at home in 20 and then a comic, no Comic-Con at all in 20 and a Comic-Con at home in 21. Okay, okay. So it's just the, it's really just the pandemic ones. I thought, so I, somebody said they hadn't been there in three years and I thought that meant that uh, they didn't go in 19 and I knew there was a year they didn't go, but like that didn't seem right. So no, it was just those two. They didn't go after Infinity okay, War. Yeah, that's right. That's right. They did. They they didn't go after Infinity War in eighteen, and they did go in nineteen. And nineteen is the big standing ovation. We have passed Avatar for the great for the highest grossing movie of That's all time. Right, yeah. Thank you, fans. We could sit here for an hour and talk about what we have done, but I think it's more important to sit here and talk for an hour about what we will do. And hence, you get the Phase Four slate announcement. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, it's good that they're going back. Uh, you know, because they could have actually done like eighteen and not gone, and and just relied on D twenty three to get whatever information out that they wanted to get. But which is four weeks later. Yeah. Again, with the time and all, it, if they said they weren't going, I wouldn't have been surprised. I wouldn't have batted an eye. But to say that they they are going back for Comic Con this year, the importance of it because it it is the first one back in handy. It, it's the first. I know we're not out of the pandemic, but it, for all intents and purposes, it's the first post-pandemic uh, Comic Con. They're all back in person, and the 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 king of it all right now is coming back to Hall H. That has to juice everybody up. Got as a little bit more excitement. Marvel knows that they're carrying the big stick right now, so they know how important it is for them to show up. So I think that appearance is why we're, we're getting them to go. And because of that, I, I really do think we're going to get um, some exciting surprise announcements at Comic-Con. But I don't think that we're getting everything because I do think they're going to save stuff at D23. But having Marvel back is a big thing. And um, and Comic-Con knows it. And you know, everybody else knows it, too. Uh, before go on yours do did anybody else announce that they're coming or not i haven't seen um and i specifically i think it was just it was just coincidental timing that feige was on the press tour for uh for thor love and thunder and i think that he was actually asked to clarify the statements that were made the week before that we had talked about um where he was kind of vague about fans will know more soon basically um, but I haven't heard anything about Warner's bringing a package or Sony bringing a package or anything like that. The only the only thing I've heard confirmed was from Feige. 
Okay. Uh, I was just curious specifically about my albatross because if they were to show up, I'm just curious what they... Well, I know what they would do. They would do Black Adam and Shazam, but it was just a thought because Marvel's going to... Whatever Marvel brings is going to be huge. And they would uh, and they would absolutely pretend like Aquaman 2 doesn't exist. Oh, no, 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 no. They won't pretend that one doesn't exist. They're going to pretend the other one in June doesn't exist. Uh, oh, no, no. There's no way with the Amber Heard stuff right now and them fighting a PR battle over whether or not she's fired from the movie... Uh, that they would bring anything related to Aquaman. But, okay, I know there are conflicting reports on that if they've, like, cut, like, reduced her role or cut her out or whatnot. But I feel you can bring an Aquaman trailer to Hall H and not have her in it and pretend that she doesn't exist, even if she's in the movie. You can't do that for the other one. There's no, no way around that. So I think they would go as far as Aquaman give Holly H a trailer, take her out as much as they can. And I think they can take her out of the entire trailer if they want. They might not be able to take her out the whole movie, but they can take her out the trailer if they want. And then that that's it. And the Hall H, bye. Unless they got some, like, you finally got a Superman movie coming, and then walk away. Well, I mean, this is the same Hall H that applauded a Green Lantern movie back in the day. And an hey, Aeon Flux movie. Hey, so hey. it's... <laughs> It is really hard to bomb Hall H. Look, um, we can't keep bringing up Green Lantern because there were a lot of us that were wrong about Green Lantern. It, it, it was it, it was a it was an honest mistake. Anybody could have been wrong about that. So let's not harp on that movie that is over ten years old now. Uh, we don't need to talk about it anymore. Well, let's that still leaves an Aeon Flux. Charlie Theron's forgotten. Yeah, she got she got bigger things going on right now, including flying magnet planes. Oh gosh! So, Chad, this is my public outcry. If anybody within earshot of this particular podcast would like to personally sponsor me to go and dance with the sexy Ewoks <laughs> and take Jello shots and scroll through my phone refreshing looking for updates on what's going on in hall age in between watermelon lemon drop shots i will be more than happy to do so and be your personal indentured servant for life because what is going to happen whether it's one movie which i don't believe or whether it's the entire slate which is what i believe uh hall age is going to get kicked in the nuts by marvel on that Saturday. And it's going to be all anybody can talk about beforehand and afterhand. And it's going to be a experience a to be there amongst people who haven't had an opportunity to gather together like that in person in all their sexy Ewokness um, for two years, basically for two and a half years. Um, so that's going to be joyous. And then you add the Marvel stuff on top of it, the TV stuff that's going to be brought by all the networks. Cause increasingly, Comic-Con has had more and more of a TV presence and as well as a film presence. Uh, the little pop-ups that are going to hop up along the uh, Gaslight District around there. Um, it's going to be an amazing thing. And uh, to be there and to be a part of that experience, even if I'm, you know, a homeless person sleeping on the beach would be very nice. Um, just got to watch for the tide not to roll on by. Um, but what do you think they're bringing? Because I don't think... I've heard conflicting reports 
Some people believe they're bringing just Wakanda forever. I don't believe that they do that. I believe they're following the 2019 playbook, which is the theatrical slate plus some TV shows and then some more TV shows at D23. Um, and I think that what we get uh-huh. is uh, Guardi- the three films that you're guaranteed to get are the ones that for next year, right? Quantumania, uh, Guardians 3, and uh, the Marvels, right? That's the three for 23. Uh-huh. Right. You would, get, you would get those three. I think you would get confirmation on a Blade movie, including a title card and the release date and the information about Maharsha Ali's uh, Blade movie, because that was the big reveal of the last movie, of the last comic. I think you get information on the Fantastic Four. I think if you've got a new director lined up since Watts departed, I think you announce that here. You reveal a logo. And if you're really feeling frisky, some casting announcements. I think you get uh, I think you get information on Captain America four, which is going to be led by Anthony Mackie as as that brand of Captain America post uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. And I think that you get information on the Defenders, which is uh, or uh, is it's a Defenders movie, right? Uh, not not a Defenders. Thunderbolts. Uh, uh, Thunderbolts movie. I think you get information on Thunderbolts movie, including the exact lineup of who's in there. Cause that that's already leaked and out there. Um, so I think that's what you get. And that's that panel in 2019 times out to 67 minutes on the dot. And so I think you'll, I think if you cram all of that into 67 minutes, you'll, you'll have a job well done. A lot of, a lot of news to spread around. Yeah. I, I think you're kind of spot on. Um, I would say specifically with the Disney Plus shows, I think because D23 is coming, I think you'll get them to touch on the the Disney Plus shows we have coming this year that we know are coming out. So She-Hulk, I know there's like another one. Yeah, when when they did this in 19, Chad, when they did this in 19, they announced announced Loki, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and Hawkeye. At uh at at Comic Con, and then four weeks later they added Moon Knight, uh Miss Marvel and She Hulk. I don't, I don't think we'll get any surprise TV things at the at uh at Comic Con. I think they're gonna leave leave that for D twenty three. So I think you'll just get the ones that are coming out between. You might get the ones between now and next summer, but for sure She Hulk. Um, and whichever ones that are coming next, but like, I wouldn't expect too much. So wait, you've got you've got what if season two? Uh-huh. You've got She Hulk. You've got uh, you got She Hulk season two. You season one. You've got what if season two? You've got Loki season two, and uh, um, Daredevil season five. Oh I yeah. Guess. So. And you've got uh, Echo. You've got oh, Echo as Echo. well. So I think you, so. We're gonna get She-Hulk. I might say something about what if. Um, and there's one other one you just said that I hadn't thought of, uh, but I, it slipped my mind. But I think that's it. I think those are the only TV shows you get, and they'll pull out 
And D23, I think they'll pull out all the rest of them and they'll give you all of that just to keep it at D23. Um, but I think that movie lineup you said is pretty spot on. They'll probably they'll bring Wakanda Forever. If we haven't heard anything about it, we'll at least get like a trailer out of that uh, and probably a panel. Uh, then they'll do Ant Man. They'll do um, they'll do the Marvels. They'll do uh, Guardians. I think, of course, they're going to do Guardians, and we'll probably see some of it because you know we have the uh, if not from Volume Three, we might see a little something from Christmas Special. Uh, I know that James got it. Or I am Groot. Oh, we'll pro- Oh, yeah, that's the other show. Yeah, we'll get something from I am Groot. Um, but. I think you brought a good point with uh, with Blade because they they've said that they Marvel hasn't officially said, but it's been said that Blade has started shooting. So we'll probably at least get that announcement. Maybe they'll show us what Marsha looks like as Blade, something like that, something along those lines. And then it's about um, I think you they'll tell you what movies are coming out in twenty four, uh, with whichever ones they're coming out, whichever order they're coming out. They'll give us that. And depending on what movies are coming out in 24, if a Fantastic Four is one of those, I do think you get an announcement as to a director and or the cast. I think that is your your big ending surprise thing. But I think that, that should cover it. I don't think I don't think you'll get anything more in depth as 24, but I think you'll know what's coming in 24. And see, I'm a little bit different. On that, um, when they went, um, when they went in tw- in nineteen, they only covered May twenty twenty with Black Widow to November twenty twenty one with Thor: Love and Thunder. That's the entirety of what they gave us. Um, when they put up the TV shows, they just said spring, fall, summer um, of of twenty one or tw- uh, twenty or twenty one. They weren't specific on dates. Everything I kind of switched around because of the pandemic. But really, if you stop and think about it, the fact that Thor Love and Thunder was only pushed from, you know, November to July is pretty remarkable, yeah. all things considered. Um, you know, Eternals was mumped back by a year. It was supposed to be November 2020. It ended up being uh, it ended up being November 2021. Um, so, like, there there's some longer gaps there but like for the most part they came with, out with everything on schedule just a year behind um i just i think that you get something beyond 24 i think you get the phase five and i think the, that you can't go two phases without an avengers movie or without a crossover movie of some caliber and i think that with Faye saying it's fairly obvious to him where they're leading and with him saying that people will know more by the end of the summer, that those two comments taken together would seem to suggest to me that we're gonna if they are doing um secret wars, that we get the announcement of that movie. Okay, so I can see that. Um so the reason I said that we'll probably get what we're gonna get. Like they'll probably tell us what's going to happen in twenty four is when they did it in nineteen when they told us what was coming, you know they only did that that year out, but we didn't know anything at that point. we didn't know what was coming at that point. 
Now we know everything that's coming in 23. So I think that's why they'll at least tell us what's coming in 24. Now, to your point, if they are doing, yeah, if they are doing Secret Wars and if that is coming in 25 and he's made these comments, I can see them saying, well, they give us all 24 and be like, and then in 25, I think you keep, if you're doing Secret Wars, I think you keep the Avengers name because that name now is so big and it is actually now so synonymous with crossover. I think it'll be like, and then 25, we'll get our next installment of the Avengers and they tell you Secret War. I would not be surprised at that at all. That would actually make a lot of sense. Again, because he made very pointed comments and I think it's been surprising to me because I feel for the, this is the first time in a while that I feel Feige is pissed off about some of the chatter about directionalist or errantless storytelling. Um, a lot of columns got written after after Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness about the wandering aimlessness of Phase Four, and I think that he's fairly pissed off about it because, as he said, we been very blatant and as i said on last week's podcast like go back and listen to everything kang says you know jim made the comment or that the joke about kang standing in for kevin feige asking begging begging somebody else to come in and run this thing so we can go home but like in reality that was like kevin sitting there saying multiversal war timelines tied together you have killed me Timelines no longer together. Timelines have to be brought back together can only be done through multiversal war. Like, I felt like he was fairly plain with that. And I think that that's kind of his frustration is that people aren't connecting those dots in the media the way that he would hope for them to. And they're they're kind of giving him crap about it. I don't even I don't even think it's them not connecting the dots. I do think there's there's some of that. I think it's uh, if I were Kevin Feige and I will, I will read those things the not connecting the dots wouldn't piss me off it would be the fact that um, for years I've heard you talk about where's the stakes when we know everything that's happening and we know where we're going and what's coming next that was like the big thing they were screaming about with Spider-Man Far From Home it's like and no matter what happened in Infinity War, we know there's another Spider-Man movie coming out. Where's the stakes? Where's the stakes? So now, he ain't told you nothing. He hasn't explicitly said anything. Slate, all you have to go on is the text of the movies. And now these people are screaming, well, where's it going? There's nothing going on here. We just got this one movie. I don't understand what's going on in this phase. And it would... Hits me off the high heaven as like for years. No stakes. We know what's going on. Now I don't tell you anything. And now it's like, well, we don't know what's going on. Pick a side, stupid. Are you too stupid to watch the movies and understand that there is going to be something going on? But you've been complaining that you know what's going on. So now you're going to have it like a real story. You find out as it unfolds. But you're too stupid to appreciate that's what I've given you. So now I got to spoon feed you again. And you're going to be too stupid to realize I got to spoon feed you because you're too stupid to understand the first thing. So that's if I were Kevin Feige, that's what pissed me off. 
about this whole thing because now I got to spoon feed you and you're not going to appreciate that. You're going to jump on my, on my back for that. So it's like, I can't, I can't please you sons of bitches. So. And see, for, and see, for me, it would be the fact that have thy not proven thyself? Exactly. Have I not have I not delivered thee an Avengers movie that you did not think was possible? Have I not delivered you the Infinity Saga and 23 movies interconnected that lead to a giant conclusion that is one of the most highest grossing movies of all time when ye didn't even think that I could do one comic book movie and now I have done 20 of them? Yet ye still doubt, ye owe ye of little faith. Yeah, it's it, when I read things like that, I really think it's people that, you know, they just they don't like these movies to start. So they just find something to complain about. And that's fine. They don't have to like the movies. But you know what? You also don't have to complain about this. You can just I mean, if it's your job, you know, watch the movies, be as fair as you can be. And then go about your business instead of nitpicking a genre you clearly don't like and are going out of your way to not understand. And Feige, we all trust. I mean, at this point, yeah, you got to. He's the he's the most successful producer in Hollywood right now. And the way and with what he's built, he might be the most successful producer ever. So, yeah. The thing is, like, if you really stop to think about it, Chad. Like, there you're right. There's not a sequel that has been announced where you're like it robs you of the opportunity of where when we're going to like. Also, just stop and think about the man just produced a Doctor Strange movie that made almost a billion dollars with Doctor Freaking Strange. But nobody appreciates that because it did not make a billion dollars. It's it's going to end up being about oh, fifty they'll, billion they'll short. Reissue the movie. They'll, they'll they'll do a reissue of the movie at some point to push it over a billion. But then they're gonna be like, "But it cheated." They're doing that with a four-hour cut of No Way Home. This well, No Way Home doesn't need any more money. It, it's made it's made its records. All right. Well, we are looking forward to again. Anybody that wants to finance the opportunity for me to dance with sexy Ewoks and take Jello shots. While reporting from Comic Con 2022, please feel free to email me or DM me. But regardless, uh, that'll about do it for this week's podcast. I am the not jello shot taking Brian C. Wood. I am just regular old Chad Metz. Thank you for uh, listening, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye.